I'm Nick Terzo, and you're listening to The Radical. This week's guest did something completely against the odds by starting a YouTube channel in his 50s. Not only did he crazily succeed, but in just three years, his channel has grown to over 2.2 million subscribers. His career has taken him from professor to artist to producer to songwriter, and now a successful YouTuber. Rick Beato joins me this week, and we chat about his transitions, the incredible growth of his channel, writing a number one hit, edutainment, and his precise, articulate style of breaking down a hit song. Up next, my conversation with Rick Beato. Hey, Rick, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I've been like looking really forward to this. I, I kind of went into the COVID uh, black hole of YouTube um, towards the end of last year. I'd run out of things to do, and I figured I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. And it kind of served up a few of your videos to me, and it was like, wait a minute. This is like pretty astonishingly good, and some of them even related to some things I had worked on in my past. And it was like, I learned new things from you. So, you know, and I just got fascinated by you because you have this natural ability as an educator and how you communicate this stuff. And so I really got into all your videos like a crazy person. So I'm really happy to have this discussion today and talk about your past, how you got here, like, you know, so what, what, you know, what's all aligned with you that you can do this so very well um, and build an audience like you have? Well, you know, I when I started it, I obviously didn't think it would become, well, I had no expectations, honestly. I just did it on a whim. One of my interns recommended that or said, why don't you become a YouTuber? And I always tell the story, well, who's going to watch an old guy with white hair? Apparently, some people will. <laughs> Millions. So, um, yeah, so so uh, I started making videos in the summer of 2016. I've made 800, probably 820 videos, something like that. Um, it's uh, every time that I release one, it's insanity, though. Every time I work on one, the the um, the process is all, always the same. I used to look at YouTubers when I was first starting. Uh, channels that I watched, Vsauce, Veritasium, um, thing you know, established YouTube channels, a lot, of, a lot of science channels, or or things like Casey Neistat at the time, um, and f filmmakers. And I would think, man, these people have millions of subscribers. It, they must freak out before they hit the publish button. And and. It's the same every time. Doesn't matter. Like when you're putting up your first videos or now, it's always the same. I always am just. Uh, I gotta hit publish. Do I do it? Do I do it? Did I forget something? And then I kind of start searching. I always will will look at the comments over the first half hour or so, to um, say so like if I look at them right now, Nick, I say, uh, um, I, I'll look to see if if there's something missing from the video because sometimes it's you know. You'll upload something and, hey, your audio is missing for two minutes of it or something. Occasionally, you'll have things like that and you have to take the video down and fix it, right? Um, so usually in the first 
five minutes or so, I'll quickly look at the comments and say, see if there's some type of a technical problem with it, mm. you know, because uh, occasionally, occasionally that would happen. I've, I've had that ha- happen with people. But once again, the the pressure of of uploading, of just the pu- hitting the publish button always feels the same. That's awesome. Well, I just got to watch your process, so I was really excited. I actually got a little behind yeah, it's like the changing scenes. changing the title and everything, just, just trying to figure out what, you know, you, when you put the title in, you look at it, you're, you're, you're like, oh, no, I don't think that's a good title. Uh, you, 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 I have the title in mind all the way up until I see what it looks like in the, in the bar of the upload bar, you know, it's like, that doesn't look very good. That's funny. That doesn't look interesting. Too much pressure. <laughs> well, I was happy to be a little test audience today on that. So I appreciate that um, too. So, but I'm gonna if if something if it doesn't go well, of Nick, course, I, you know, of course, no, just lay it on me. So, um, so I don't want to go too much in a timeline, but you know, you have your background is um, you attended college, got a degree in music, yes, and then got a yep. master's degree, yes, in jazz. Yeah, master's in music and jazz, undergrad in classical bass, master's in jazz. And did you so. did you think your path was as an educator, or did you think your path was as a composer, as a producer? Where were you, what were you thinking then? Well, I was um, I I'd hoped to be a performer. Uh, I I wrote my own tunes, instrumental tunes. I, I don't know if you'd call them fusion or jazz. They weren't really jazz tunes, but they were um, instrumental guitar music, um, and. I had taken, um, I got out of grad school. I went to visit some friends in upstate New York and Ithaca, where I'd done my undergrad, Ithaca College. I went there to hang for, you know, a couple of weeks or so. And then I got an offer to teach in the fall at Ithaca College, fall of 87. And um, thought about it and was like, well, I don't have anything else to do. So I'll take the job. And that's how I got into it. <laughs> Literally, I have nothing else to do. Oh, it pays? Great. <laughs> and was that like more, so, is that theory or was that commercial music program or was that a more of a theory? It was a, uh, it was a jazz studies. So it was like uh, teaching improv, teaching private lessons, guitar, bass, uh, conducting big band, arranging all this, you know, all the kind of stuff. Honestly, a lot of the stuff that I do on my channel. Oh, funny. How many years did you do that? So I did that from 87 to 92. And um, I ended up starting to write songs like rock songs um in, in starting around 89 or so i got a publishing deal in 92 with polygram and that allowed me to uh quit my job or then i wanted to go out and see about uh you know i wanted to kind of follow that path and get out of doing teaching um I've, i felt like i got te- taught for five six years and i'm ready to do something new so um that led me down to uh you know, to moving to Atlanta and starting a band and starting to produce. And, and um, I started producing really around 1995, started producing rock bands. And I mean, with really no experience at all, mm. other than the experience of I had done a million demos in studios by then. So I knew about arranging, you know, like how to arrange guitar parts and how to write songs. So I guess that's actually a lot of experience. It is a lot of experience. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of experience uh, from recording hundreds of songs and being in studios. So, um, so I started producing then, and and honestly, I did that until 2016 when I started my YouTube channel. Wow, wow! And how? So you still have? I mean, you have Black Dog Studios, Black Dog Sound. Is that right? 
Yeah, I don't really. I mean, uh, that's that's my studio. Yes, it's uh, it's not, it's a, not a commercial uh, not a commercial studio. It's a video studio now. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> my live room is my is my video control room now. Wow, that's amazing. So, um, and also, I mean, you've done a lot of uh, you have education products. I mean, a lot focused on kind of youth, kind of like. Uh, like you, what's neural? Neural? Neural. Yes. Well, neural was a was a thing was a an ear training program that I had um, uh, something that I did for my oldest son Dylan before he was born. Um, so um, there's neural. I have an ear training program for adults that's more you know geared towards relative pitch and. Uh, uh, that would be more like a, you know, something that somebody that wants to improve their ear. I mean, it starts very sim- simply and it gets very complex. Um, and it's, um, something that, that, I mean, I taught ear training when I was a college professor, so it's really based in, um, on the, you know, all the things that I used to teach and how I, my, my concepts of ear training. And I have a, my, um, Beato book that is my music theory and improvisation book. So, I mean, everything's really based on teaching and based on stuff that I did 30 years ago, really, that I started doing back when I was back in the eighties. It's incredible. Do you think any of the, you know, I've run across a few apps out there, you know, that try to teach you, some ear training and stuff. And I got so frustrated with them. I didn't last very long. Um, are there any of yeah, those the, accurate uh, or good? Or have you run across any of those? I don't really, I mean, I haven't really used any of the ear training apps. I mean, my, my program is web-based and it's tests you on things, but it's also a video program. It also, I, I have videos that go along with all the chapters to teach you exercises to practice and things like that. So that part of it is, um, that's, that's really like teaching you strategies for how to, what to listen for, for intervals, for core, you know, for chords, for melodic dictation, whatever it is. Um, so it's, it's a video course as much as anything, as much as a, as a program to test you on things. Right. Are these more kind of focused on ear training or some focused on a particular instrument or not? No, it's, it's just all on ear, all training. ear training. My ear training course, all on ear training. Yeah. And then my book is, is based on music theory, but the ear training course comes with a PDF that is me because music uh, ear training is music theory because you have to have the, you got to know the names of what things are called. Right. So, um, so you can't separate. I always tell people you can't separate music theory from ear training. They're they're the same thing. Just you have to know you have, you're learning what thing what the sounds of things are called. Right. Interesting. And have you kind of put aside like are you still producing or are you kind of now because of the success no. of your channels and teaching that that's really your focus now? Yeah, I spend I work seven days a week on my YouTube channel when I'm not spending time with my wife and kids. This is what I do. Fantastic. And the genesis of your YouTube channel was around your son, though, and his ability to kind of actually do this at an early age, or was it always around the ear training? Or No, it had nothing to do with that. It was, um, uh, I hit 100,000 subscribers a bit, just a little more than a year into my channel. 
So yeah, so I did it, it was steady growth, but but it was um but it was really there was no huge breakout videos or anything like that. Just um just a slow, uh, slow, steady growth, consistent growth. And um, honestly, it wasn't until 2019 that I had any, um, I, I think I had my first viral video three years into my channel. Wow. Holy cow. And was there a eureka moment during that time or did it take even longer than that before it clicked? Um, well, I had this one video that was a kind of viral video that was called the darkest scale ever. <laughs> it was it was a completely weird video. The, the double harmonic major scale, the darkest scale ever. Like it's completely esoteric <laughs> video, right? With a strange little 40-second piece I wrote using this scale for it. And I don't know why that one blew up. It was it's it's still one of my strangest videos. Um then I did, I did, um, I started what makes this song great in uh, 2018 and the videos did well. Um, that, that series has done very well, but, um, but I started, I did some of these top 20 lists. Those were always fun. I always liked watching those kind of videos. So then I started making them myself because, um, I love countdown videos, you know, and, uh, so the first one I did was this top 20 acoustic guitar. It's your biggest video. All time. It's my biggest video. I'm really surprised because yeah. I expected kind of the rock guitar or the electric guitar. I expected that to kind of, but man, that thing slammed it. 12 million, was it 12 million views? It's like the only, <laughs> yeah. And it's one of, it was the first time I played acoustic guitar on my channel, I think, you know, I think it's like the only time I played acoustic guitar on my channel. It's fantastic, um, though. It's so good. I had a bunch of my friends say, wow, I, you play acoustic guitar really well. How do you know all those songs? I said, what are you talking about? That's like all the, the stuff classics. when I was growing up. Those are all the songs. we. Those are the classics. I had to learn oh, all man. those. I was so excited because you did sneak one of my bands in there. So I was like, he did it. We got to number nine. Who's that? What's uh, I one? Stay Away with What, what was Chase. that? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's too oh much, God, isn't that it? Song. It's a killer. Oh my God. So I was so excited you slid in and I thought well, he's in the he's in the top ten. Okay, now. He's in the top ten. There's no I'll... way one of their songs is getting in there. Okay. So so let me ask you about what is it about that song in particular, the mood of that song? When it comes in, it's so dark and joyous at the same time. It's their shtick, man. Right? They kind of do that. And it's got the most right beautiful there's so much beauty in it and it but there's this darkness this light i know just, the combination is just really their trademark i think you know yeah and i just when i put that on there's some songs that i put on that and then uh seasons chris cornell yes these songs are just so i i, I just you know or i listened to uh you know pearl jam garden or I love these, just this, all the the, all those grunge songs. They have the beautiful guitar parts. They have, you know, um, and they just sound like they they just bring me back in time. And at the time, that was the most incredible. I, I love grunge. <laughs> I, people know I love grunge. Thank heavens! It. it was a moment in yeah. time. It was captured, and it was you know to be anywhere within that community when it was happening. It's just, a, you know, one of the great highlights of my life and my career, you know? 
That's that. That was the time. I mean, did you realize it back then? I mean, did did you? The only thing I really realized is I went up there. I was working at ASCAP at the time, right before I became an ANR guy. Mm-hmm. So I went up there on my yep. first trip, and it was like, or my second trip. I was friends with the guys in Queensryche, so occasionally I used to go up and see those guys. Um, but on this trip to ASCAP, yep. I got introduced to all this amazing, you know, Mother Love Bone. Spent time with Chris Cornell and Kim Thale, and you know. Spent time with, um, you know, the Alice guys. So, I mean, it was like, went to like this music bank recording studio where there was 40 or 50 rooms full of musicians. It was like, what is going on here? So that was that like was the moment. I went, to, I went to Seattle then too. And it was, it was, yeah, I went, I went for four days uh, during that time period and uh, 91, 92. Um, and it was, um, I went to Seattle a few times actually, but I remember the first time I went there, I was like, what is going on here? This is unbelievable. Yeah. And it's this just weird thing, you know, cause they had closed the venues down during that time, or there was some new city ordinance. So like new live venues couldn't pop up. So a lot of the reason they were all in rehearsal rooms was there was no place to play for some strange reason. I can't remember the ordinance. Um, so that happened kind of simultaneously. So it was really strange. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Seattle has such a weird, you know, it was before Starbucks and Amazon. I mean, Starbucks was there, but before they blew up. Yeah. Before, before the yeah, internet. It used to be this, <laughs> I mean, to be this very unstable economic um, community up there because yeah. of Boeing and there was always layoffs. And yeah. so it was a different time. I mean, it's not the Seattle robust of today, but, you know. That's right. Um, that's right. Anyway. We kind of go off. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. No, it's like, it's one of my favorite well, topics. We can, we can talk more about it. Um, so with the, the videos, what makes a song great? You do them all under your name though, even though some of these have different categories and titles or how do people find you on YouTube? It shouldn't be hard, but. Yeah, just, uh, you know, just from finding my, you know, from people find me from YouTube, recommending my videos to people. And do you, do you, at this point, do you think you have any rhyme or reason for what works and doesn't work? Or do you still kind of like, are you surprised? I'm always surprised. Every single video I'm surprised. I mean, are the current countdown Um, ones more consistent because they kind of fall in the same category or not really? No, there is no, and, and none of my YouTuber friends, all of us music YouTubers are, are really good friends and none of us know anything like what's going to be successful or anything like that. No idea. Well, you don't have to tell me. I put my podcast up there and if I hit, you know, I think Richard Ford is from Guns N' Roses got me about 4,000 views. That's about the biggest I've had so far. So yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, it's, it. uh, it's it, There's no, you know, I, I trying to understand social media is, um, is really almost pointless. Mm. So you just make stuff that you like I make videos that I think are interesting to me and hopefully people, uh, people like them. You're clearly an entertainer, so it works. <laughs> so. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's fun. Just like my, you know, this more, my video today about, about, uh, what Spotify recommends me. I'm sitting on my phone today while I'm making breakfast for my, for my kids. And I was like, what, is, what does Spotify recommend me? And I just start playing the stuff, you know I mean? I'm going through all these different playlists and I was like, they have dance videos for me. They have R and B and hip hop videos, um, or I mean songs. And and I know why because I've done videos on the top ten songs 
on the pop charts, metal, you know, so because I'm listening to these things, it's thinking, oh, Rick likes all these different things. He's big into, he's into hip hop, he's into R&B, he's into indie rock, he's into metal. Boy, Rick's really eclectic. And so I'm like, okay, let's check out some of these playlists. So I thought, I was like, I'm gonna make my video about that today. Let's, let's see. And so I, it was kind of live reaction of what, what they think I would like. Well, I can't wait to so, see it later today then. Wait till you yeah, get so to wait till you get to TikTok and see what they recommend for you. Oh, then you'd right. be really I know, surprised. I just, I just got on TikTok about a week ago. So I'm I'm uh I haven't even I haven't even looked at it that much yet, except every time I open it, I'm <laughs> taken aback by whatever, you know, I was like, what is this? Have you chopped up some of your videos and put them on there? Or have you done anything I, yet I or put, not? I put on I put on stuff from Instagram, things I do from Instagram. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that, so, that's a whole other set of can of worms. Yeah, yeah, it's a different culture for sure. Yeah, so different culture. And I mean, were you surprised that the um, that the amount of work that goes into this? I mean, that it ended up kind of subsuming you and became your career. I mean, you well, you know, music production is very time consuming. Um, this is music production plus visual production on top of it. Um, it's incredibly time consuming. Just the, 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 honestly, the, the, the workflow, I edit my own videos, the, the massive amounts of information from using 4k video is just, mm. you know, you could work on, uh, you could make 50 records on a hard drive, you know, five years ago and have a backup drive or a couple of backup drives and just keep using the same hard drive over and over. But man, I have videos that are two terabytes, just one video. That's a massive amount of information. I have hundreds and hundreds of hard drives. Holy cow. Yeah. It's really difficult to, to, uh, to keep track of what's on what drives and stuff. Oh my God. And what like, you know, as you come up with your ideation of these videos, um, how do you do that? I mean, what, what goes through your, what catches you? Like today you said you just kind of caught the whim of Spotify serving stuff up to you. So that's interesting. Yeah, I topic. never looked at the play. I never had looked at the playlist that they recommended to me, even though I'm on Spotify all the time. I was just, the app has so many different elements to it. I'm like, boy, this is really confusing. Um what is like, what, wait a minute. They think I like dance, these dance songs. What? Right. So, uh, so it's, it's, uh, you know, every day it's something, something different. I don't have any videos saved up or anything, but I have a lot of video ideas, things I want to do. I have some videos that I've started that I'm kind of actively working on, but, uh, for the most part, I come up with an idea and I make the video. That's great. I mean, is this, fulfill like your creative journey i mean look you're you've been involved in creating for a long time i mean does this fill that i mean do you continue to do other things musically for yourself anyway even um yeah this is i mean this is really interesting for me i i think i i uh i really enjoy making these videos um because I'm, I mean, I, 
I post on YouTube about every two days and I post on Instagram almost every day and I'm playing my guitar or playing, playing keyboards or playing whatever all the time. So it's fun. Awesome. I've played way more than I, than I did when I was a producer. I mean, I hardly did anything. Everything was for everyone else. You know, now I get to kind of do my own thing. And yeah, if you were a producer nowadays, though, you would uh, be having to redo everyone's guitar parts and everything. So you'd be redoing right. all the recording. So <laughs> you'd be the player and the producer. Yeah. It's amazing. Is there anyone like as you've grown this following? I mean, you got 2.2 million subscribers now on YouTube. Um, are there people that have followed you that are you like, holy shit. That's like Peter Frampton following me. I mean, is there, is there stuff like that? Yeah. People like Peter Frampton. It blows your mind. Yeah. yeah Peter Frampton. Um, I mean, I've gotten to interview so many great players and that I, you know, I just interviewed Steve Lukather recently and, Luke. you know, I had Steve Vai and John Petrucci and, and uh, tons of, you know, just so many people that I've gotten a chance to, to interact with and, and, um, uh, that, that part of it has been great. I, I, um, yeah, that, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. It's good, so, good to be a fan still. Right. So always a fan, always a fan. Yeah. So I almost don't want to, I almost don't want to meet the people, you know, I do know that cause there's been a lot of people I've completely blocked out. Like, you know, I said, I'm never going to meet Elton John, you know? I mean, fortunately, I met Bernie Taupin, but I'll never meet Elton John because I just I met Elton and Bernie on the same day uh, here in Atlanta at a studio. And um, and it was amazing. They were so interesting. And it was. Um, um, yeah, so that so I did get to meet, meet Elton John and that was totally cool. <laughs> I can't can't do it. Um, and I'm speaking of being a fan, I'm a fan of. um a song you wrote <laughs> okay. with Parma Lee called Carolina that I think is when I heard it, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, much like I've seen some of your talking about it, that it's, you know, conceptually kind of more like a rock song to me. And uh, I mean, you even played your demo where you were kind of up a beat and it was, I, I thought the demo was actually better than the original. So I wish you wouldn't have played the demo now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're going to have to send me a copy of that. Cause I think that, yeah. but that's a fantastic, tell me about that experience for you. So I'd worked with the band. I mean, the song was written in 2007 and honestly, I'd forgotten about it. And the band called me up and they said, I mean, wrote to me years later, 2013 in February. And Hey, remember the song we wrote together, Carolina. And I thought, yeah, I vaguely remember it. I went back and listened to it. And, well, we're on a, we're on this label, and we're a country band, and they're going to be releasing it and, as a single. And I said, okay, cool. You know, yeah, okay. And then about six months later, one of my buddies was like, you know, it's in it's in the top forty, okay. And then in the then it was the fall. I mean, months and months later, that one of one of my buddies, um called me and said, um, your song entered into the top 20. And I was like, what does that mean? That means that uh, it picks up the clear channel stations, I think it was, and um, which are hard to get. And it could go number one. You never know. Then I got in the top 10, then I got in the top five, and it went number one. Amazing. What are you going to do? I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's all luck, though, Nick. There's, uh, you know, luck. Yes, when you get into that type of horse race, it tends to be a lot of luck. But, you know, talent behind it is always 
helps. Yeah. Let's just say. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm cynical about it, but I know how much luck is involved in, in success in the music business and stuff, you know, or in, you know, things like YouTube. Yep. Um, I happen to start at the right time and, and, um, make videos about the right things, I guess. I don't know. Definitely tapped into something. And well, and I think it's your luck. It's the timing of that, but it's also your experience and your background um, as an educator and being able to convey this stuff to us in like really easily comprehensible ways. Mm -hmm. Cause I could watch a lot of guys try to break down a song and I'm sure some of it would go right over my head. Um, and I think what you do is you have a remarkable um, skill in communicating um, and that's, I, 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 I appreciate that. I think I always think to myself, well, explain things as if people watching don't know anything about music. So that's really the, if you keep that in mind, then, then you're, um, then I think you're, you're okay. And you can connect, you connect with people's, but even if they don't have any background in music. Right. But even I, you know, with a little background, you know, kind of walked away with like, wow, is that what we were doing? You know what I mean? You, you don't think yeah. of it in those terms and the right nomenclature and the right definitions. Right. And yeah. it's interesting to hear that come back. It's like, oh, that's what we were kind of doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I kind of saw something, I think Peter Frampton tweeted something back to you where he kind of said that, like, oh, I didn't realize I was using that many, what do you say, Lydia's right. or whatever he was using? Right, in a row. yeah, yeah. So that's what's interesting. You're kind of- It was very funny. It's almost like you're like a- like a geographer or something digging someone digging and an anthropologist um and we all learn from it yeah I, I i like to say well i know people will say oh well you know kurt cobain didn't know what he was doing it's like well yeah he might not have known what he was doing but i know what he was doing and now i'm going to explain to you what he was doing yep 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 that's so, that's great it's fantastic yeah. in doing this if you ever and maybe these things haven't made it to a video or not. Have you come across something where you said, gee, you know, I never really liked that. And I can't believe I'm even playing around with this and breaking it down or, and found out that no. you like something or is that just not the case ever? Well, you know, my, what makes the song great series. I don't necessarily like every song. That's why I put the question mark at the end of what makes the song great. Right. Like, why do people like, why do people like the song? It's not a declarative right. statement question. Um, and it may be a song that you hate, but other people think it's great. Like what, what makes it great. Right. Well, um, so that's, you know, so I don't like every song that I've broken down, but I, I try not to let that cloud my judgment on. I try and get to the, get to the essence of what actually makes people want to re-listen to songs and, and why they become huge hit songs. Right. Well, I think you have some remarkable accuracy, um, you know, other than the occasional <laughs> Jethro Tull in Dream Theater, I'm okay with it. <laughs> you are much more open than I. So um, anyhow, I'm, I'm going to, we'll wrap this up now. And uh, look, I'm um, thrilled that you did this with me. I'm thrilled for your success. I just think anyone that can teach the way you do, um, it's such a talent and, you know, people say rock is dead and we hear this over and over, right? Our generation a little bit. And it's, I don't know. I see these young kids picking up guitars and playing stuff Absolutely. from 30 years ago. I don't know. That's right. 
That's right. It's going to cycle back at some point, I think, don't you? Yeah. I think it, I think it is. Yeah. I hope so. So thank you for doing this, Rick. It's fantastic. Uh, We'll link everybody to all your channels or to, to your channel. Um, And thank you for doing this. It's been my pleasure. Very welcome. My pleasure. Thanks. Stay healthy. Yeah. Bye. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening this week. To follow what's going on with this podcast, you can go to theradicalpod.com, theradicalpod.com. You'll find show notes and past episodes and uh, even a little swag there if you want a t-shirt or a hat. I would be honored if you'd subscribe at Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Till next week.